Welcome to the Mercy Hill Church Podcast. This podcast is a collection of sermons and conversations intended to stir up your affections for Jesus. We hope this content helps you know and tell the story of Jesus better. Good morning again, and welcome to Mercy Hill Church. My name is Mike, and I'm also one of the pastors here at Mercy Hill. So if you're visiting with us, I know we have a lot of guests this morning, or if you're new here today, and we are just so glad that you chose to worship with us, chose to be here with us this morning. It is a blessing to us for sure. Really, the great thing about today for me is uh, with such amazing worship by our worship team and uh, so many cute babies, um, I can probably totally bomb today and you guys won't even remember because you just remember all that awesome stuff that happened before this. So uh, it's been an awesome morning so far. And uh, we are coming into the second week of the Advent season here at Mercy Hill. December is upon us. Uh, it's hard to believe. It feels like just yesterday we were scrambling uh, at Easter time because it was raining and we were planning an egg hunt. And we weren't sure what we were going to do. Uh, but nonetheless, Christmas time is here. And as you may have saw earlier in our service today, we lit the second Advent candle, the candle of peace. And that is going to serve as our topic today. Peace. How's that working out for you guys this holiday season? How's that work out for you guys every Christmas season? It's Christmas time, right? And as the song says, it's the most wonderful time of the year, right? It's a time of peace, isn't it? Is that, is that true? Any, any Black Friday shoppers this year? Anybody go out Black Friday every year? We, we go out Black Friday a lot, um, not for the crazy, kind of just to watch the crazy unfold. Uh, but man, Black Friday, we typically kick off Christmas this season in America with a day that's the exact opposite of peace. It's a chaos-filled day of anxiety, greed, with crowds looking for the best deal. Maybe you remember like Tickle Me Elmo from the 90s and parents fighting over Tickle Me Elmos or people trying to grab that 75-inch TV and fighting people over pallets of TVs at Costco and Walmart. People not afraid to bend their morals so they can come out on top. Not peaceful. But maybe it's, maybe it's not Black Friday for you this time of year. Maybe you don't care about that kind of stuff. But maybe it's still not a season of peace. Maybe you're already dreading the uh, upcoming family Christmas gathering. Knowing that uh, crazy Uncle Clark and Cousin Eddie are going to be dragging the family into a fight over the political, the runoff election in Georgia, or whatever hot-button topic there is, and you're just dreading that family dinner that's coming. Or maybe what, it might be something else for you this time of year, but whatever it may be, Christmas doesn't seem to be a season of peace anymore. Some of you new parents that dedicated your kids today are, are looking for some peace as well. Um, I will tell you that all, after almost 16 years uh, of parenting myself, I uh, haven't found it yet, but I'll let you know if, if I do. But even though it seems ever elusive, we all want peace in our lives. But what is peace? If we want something, we have to be able to, de- to define it to know what it is. So what is peace? Well, the dictionary would define peace as freedom from a disturbance or a period without conflict or war. And those are good things, right? It's good to be free from disturbances or free from conflict or war. But I think peace takes on a bigger meaning in light of the Bible. In fact, when we look at our Bibles and look at the Greek and Hebrew words that are used for peace in the Bible, they carry a much deeper meaning 
meanings of contentment, meanings of finding completeness or a satisfied soul. So today, uh, I want to look at three texts with you uh, from the Old Testament to the New Testament and explore how we can find peace in our life through God. So we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 9. In Isaiah chapter 9, we see a promise of a coming peace. And then we're going to look at Luke chapter 2. We see God's peace come to earth. And then finally, John chapter 14, where we see that there's a gift of peace offered to us. So let's examine these texts today, and we're going to start with Isaiah chapter 9. The Bible says, For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. So Brandon taught us last week as we kicked off the Advent season that Advent means a coming or an arrival. So we celebrate the Advent season in anticipation of the birth of Jesus. So here at Mercy Hill, we like to to help you along during this season. We have Advent guides for you where you can kind of follow along throughout the week, reading scripture and praying to prepare for the Christmas season. But really, we kind of have a built-in Advent guide already because if we look at our Bibles the Old Testament is really an Advent guide for us. It is the story of a coming promise. Really, that story begins all the way back in the book of Genesis, but we see this story of this coming promise weaved throughout the history of this nation, Israel. It's told by prophets of God, men like Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet at was really the beginning of the end of ancient Israel. See, they had wandered from God, They had split into two kingdoms, and now they were being invaded by the first of many nations that would eventually lead to their exile. But we see in Isaiah that there was hope, that there is a light coming to the darkness, that the oppressive yoke was going to be broken. Not just the oppressive yoke of those who were coming to enslave them, but the oppressive yoke of sin that would always enslave them, sin that had separated them from God. And this light that was coming, this promise that would coming would break this yoke, and it was going to be a child, a child who would eventually reign over all, a child where eventually every knee would bow and every tongue would confess as Lord. And this child we see here will be given many names, be given wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal father, and prince of peace. He's been given other names too, Emmanuel. Jesus of Nazareth, Messiah, Christ. Peace was coming to earth in the form of a mighty ruler. But it wasn't a peace that anyone expected, but it was a peace that we all need. So we can fast forward to our next text in Luke chapter 2. And we're going to start in verse 8, Luke chapter 2. This is part of the Christmas story. And in the same region... Shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth, And lying in a manger, 
And suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to people he favors. I love the Christmas story. Love it. Not that movie, though. I don't like that movie. Might be an unpopular opinion. I don't like the movie. Ralphie, I don't know. He's kind of annoying. Um, Maybe I don't like it, too, because I got a Red Rider BB gun for Christmas one year, and I almost shot my eye out. True story. Red Rider BB guns are like, you know, they can barely shoot through paper. They don't have a lot of power behind them. So if you shoot something hard with it, that BB's going to bounce back. Almost shot my eye out. But I really love the Christmas story that we see in the Scripture, the story we see in Matthew and here in Luke as well. Over 700 years after the prophet Isaiah told us that a child was coming, we get this amazing story of God's love come to life. So amazing, in fact, that we see a supernatural event take place that I believe we don't see anywhere else in Scripture. There's some amazing supernatural stories in the Bible, displays of God's power. We see stories of God himself in different forms walking on the earth. We see stories of angels, pillars of fire, floods, manna from heaven, water from a rock, virgin births, and resurrections. But to see an army of angels appear in the heavens singing praises to God, that's how important this child was. How important this birth was, that an army of angels would show up and sing praise to God. I love that Luke includes this in his gospel, and it really speaks to the power of this moment. Do you know anything about Luke? Luke wasn't an apostle. He didn't walk with Jesus during his time on earth. He came to faith at a later point. Uh, Many know Luke most likely to be a doctor, physician, so he was a learned man during this time. And he would be considered a disciple of Paul. So Luke would take it upon himself to become sort of an investigative journalist, to investigate this story that we call the gospel. And he would write it down as he came across and interviewed people and learned more about it. During his investigations, he comes across this crazy story of an army of angels appearing on the night of Jesus' birth, singing praises to God. An event that he found credible enough to include in his manuscript. And can you imagine? I mean, people, every time an angel appeared by himself in the scriptures, people were afraid, but an army of angels singing hallelujah to God and peace on earth to the people he favors. Or some translations might say, peace on earth to the people with whom he is pleased. The angels are proclaiming that the Prince of Peace that was foretold by Isaiah was here in the flesh, Jesus. Now, if you're the shepherds, After this event probably happened, you're like, wow, this is great news. This is amazing. But Jesus' ministry wouldn't start for another 30 years. So I'm sure after a while, these shepherds are probably thinking, hey, where's this piece that those angels came and were singing about? Uh, We're still under Roman rule. People are still getting crucified and killed and murdered. Life's still hard. There's no peace around. Christ's coming didn't bring peace on earth in a human sense. It didn't bring peace in the Webster's definition, but it put an end to a conflict that we needed an end to. Jesus gave us a gift by going to the cross, putting an end to our sin conflict with God. So let's look at our last verse in John chapter 14, verse 27. And Jesus says these words, 
He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. So Jesus grew up, the baby grew up, began a ministry on earth, and at this point was on his way to the cross. He's trying to prepare his disciples, trying to prepare his followers for what's to come and offering them some comfort that he wasn't going to leave them alone, that he was the prince of peace and he was going to leave a piece of himself with them, that he's going to dwell in them through the power of the Holy Spirit and that they could experience peace. Not an absence of conflict, but a, satis- but a satisfied soul made right with God. And here's really, I think, the big idea today. When we, when we talk about peace as, as Christians and as human beings living in this world is that trying to find peace in the world is going to fail you. It's going to fail us. It's going to fail you. But if we let grace and the peace of God reign in our lives, we will find a satisfied soul, completeness, and contentment. So how then do we find that peace with God? How do we find that? Not some self-help, mumbo-jumbo peace, but real, true peace. I think I have three ways for you guys today, three ways that we must have peace in our life that I want to share with you. As first and foremost, we have to have peace with God. To have any peace, we have to have peace with God. Then we have to have peace with ourselves, and we have to have peace with others. I think all three of these are tied together by the same thread, this thing that we call grace. Grace. So let's pull apart each of these, peace with God, peace with yourself, and peace with others. So how do we find peace with God? Well, finding peace with God, again, is the foundation for peace in your life. If you don't have peace this way, you won't find it here in your heart, and you're going to struggle to find it in your relationships with other, peace, with other people. Peace begins this way before you get it here or there. Peace with God begins with a relationship with God. You cannot be the enemy of God and experience the peace of God. You cannot be separated from God and experience his peace. It is set aside for his people. And we can see from our text in Luke chapter 2, the angels proclaiming this, that peace on earth is for people he favors. The peace of Jesus Christ has been set aside for the people of God. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, drives that fact home for us in Romans chapter 5. He says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God begins and ends with faith in Jesus Christ. Because we have been justified by faith, period. Stop. Nothing more, nothing else. Faith brings us into peace with God. We can't bring anything to the table when it comes to salvation or receiving peace from God. It is a free gift of God in Christ Jesus alone. We call this church unmerited grace, unmerited grace, because we didn't earn it. We can't earn it. You can never earn the grace of God. He gives it freely, and it is the greatest gift that we'll ever receive. 
And that gift leads to so many other ones, but it leads to peace. Well, maybe you're thinking today, then, like, well, I have received that gift. I'm a Christian. I have that relationship with God. I've received that free gift, but I don't feel at peace. I don't feel at peace this Christmas season. I don't feel at peace in my marriage. I don't feel at peace in my relationship with God. Well, then my question to you would be, when was the last time you talked to God, the one who's offering you the peace, the one who's giving you the peace? When's the last time you talked to him? When's the last time you listened or spent some time with your Father in heaven? Salvation is a one-time gift that God gives us. But the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ and all the benefits that come with us, that is a daily gift that we receive over and over and over again every day. God's peace in our life is a daily treasure that we have to explore every day. And when we don't, we find ourselves further from God. We find ourselves lacking the peace of God. Peace with God begins with a relationship with God. Not a one-time relationship, not a transaction, but daily time with your Father in heaven. All because of his unmerited grace. So God's grace grants us peace with him, but it is our grace that can lead us to peace with ourselves and peace with others. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about peace with ourselves. Some of you, this might be one of the hardest of the three. It's possible to have a relationship with God. It's possible to have healthy relationships with other people, yet have a toxic relationship with yourself in your heart and in your head. Right? The world around us has created whole industries based off of feeding on that toxic relationship with yourself. Right? The world tells us that we're not good enough. Those things that you think about yourself, those are true, so you need to do X, Y, and Z to make yourself feel better. That's how you find peace. Do this and you will find peace. Search on Amazon how to find peace and hundreds and hundreds of books are going to be for sale right at your fingertips so you can find inner peace. I did a quick Google search and you'll find even more and more options from websites by Oprah and other celebrities to countless lists of quick tips on how to find inner peace. On the, the first page that I searched, there was uh, six ways to achieve inner peace, eight tips for more inner peace, 10 things that you should give up to find inner peace, and then 15 ways also to achieve inner peace. Um, man, if I can do it in six steps, I don't know why I need to do the 15 steps, right? But I don't care how many steps we add, we're not going to find peace that way. I think it's actually much more simpler than that. Simple, but not easy, because it's grace. See, I believe that if grace is the remedy for peace with God, then grace is the remedy for peace with ourselves. Now, why do we need to show ourselves grace? Well, because we're broken we're sinful people, and if you're anything like me, you love keeping score against yourself, right? You keep that daily running tally of how bad you are, how many things you messed up, what you did wrong, and that eats away at you on the inside. Right? I did this before I was a Christian, constantly measuring myself against the world, tracking my failures, dwelling on how not good I was, all the while ignoring the good things in my life, definitely not finding peace. 
And as a Christian, we think, well, this is going to get better. This is supposed to get better, right? But what, what happens is we begin, well, we compare ourselves against other Christians. Well, they have a better relationship with God than I do. They pray better than I do. They read their Bible more than I do, right? I, I can't live up to Christ, right? And they get wrapped up in the same conflict-driven thinking that they had before. Listen, if the God of the universe loved us enough to pour out his grace for us, I think we can pour out a little grace for ourselves as well. And grace is loving yourself in spite of those shortcomings. It's loving yourself in spite of those shortcomings. It doesn't mean accepting the sinful things that you do. It doesn't mean embracing the bad things in your life. No, it's working through it, loving yourself in spite of those things, and using the power of God to change. But again, the world's going to tell you something different. The world's going to tell you you're fine just the way you are and just to accept it because that's how you were born. That's who you are. That's the way you were born, and you should just accept it. And they've created all kinds of diagnoses and a whole bunch of letters to identify types of brokenness and encourage you to embrace them. Church, there's not enough letters in the alphabet to categorize all the brokenness in this world. And embracing that brokenness is not going to help you find peace. I'll tell you this, is that you and I may have been born broken, but there was one who was born perfect who became broken for me and you, so you didn't have to be anymore. So stop listening to the world to find your peace and start listening to God. He poured out his grace for you, so you can try and pour out a little for yourself as well. So grace from God creates peace with God. Grace to yourself will create peace in your life that the world can't offer and no list can touch. And grace with others can help change your relationship. So how do we find peace with others? Again, through grace. If you were here for our uh, short series uh, a few weeks ago, we were in Romans chapter 12. And you might remember uh, Brandon's message and the Apostle Paul imploring us in verse 18 of Romans 12 to live peaceably with others. Remember, we're not looking for that dictionary definition of peace. It's actually impossible. It is impossible to have relationships with other human beings and not have conflict. Whether it's at work, your boss, your coworkers, in your family, with your parents, with your brothers and sisters, with your friends, it's impossible. Listen, if you are married, if you're newly married, or you're on your way to marriage, well, congratulations, you just bought yourself a lifetime commitment to conflict. But that doesn't mean a lack of peace. We can have conflict in our marriage and still have good relationships. We can still have conflict in our marriage and have contentment or satisfied souls. Because conflict doesn't equal peace or the lack of. But what we cannot go without is grace. What you cannot go without in your relationships is grace. Because if you have conflict with no grace, you won't find peace. What will you find? You'll find resentment, bitterness, jealousy, hatred, and a whole list of other things that will eat you up on the inside. The grace frees you from these things. And sometimes that can be difficult to give grace to someone who's wronged you, someone who is hard to talk to. But remember, you too were the recipient of unmerited grace. God could have denied it to you just as easy. Now, 
It's important to, to know that grace in relationships does not mean that we accept abuse. Granting grace in a relationship does not mean you accept abuse. No matter your race, your gender, your ethnicity, or any other thing that might define who you are, you are an image bearer of God, worthy of dignity and respect. Grace never means accepting abuse or discrimination. What grace does for you, it frees you, uh, frees yourself from that person's power over you, and it turns that person over to God. Showing grace to others is for you and for your peace. So think about what relationships in your life need a little grace this holiday season. As we close, I just want to encourage you that peace with God is the foundation, the foundation of everything, peace with God, that relationship with him that begins with salvation, but there is so much more there. Peace, love, hope, joy, you can have those things if you have that relationship with the Lord. But the world is going to continue to promise you peace, and it's going to continue to fail to deliver. But God's going to offer you that peace that surpasses anything that the world can ever offer. Have you found your peace with God? Do you have peace with yourself? Are you sharing that peace with others today, this holiday season? Thanks for listening to the Mercy Hill Church podcast. To keep up with the life of Mercy Hill Church, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We believe the Christian life is best experienced in community. If you're in our area, we'd love for you to join us. If not, we'd love to help you get plugged into a local church near you. Have a great week.